Living in America used to be a dream For so many people far away and unseen With their big cars and movie stars Living in America all hail to the red, white and blue Living in America was a dream In this land they tell you to reach anything you want But everything is possible, just believe that you can Cause we're God's chosen children Living in America with our longhouse and my picket fences Living in America Welcome you guys, it's nice to see you again. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. And we have a distinct pleasure tonight to bring you a, a guest who's well worth your time and listening to a man named Diego Rodriguez, who's the founder of Freedom Man at freedomman.org. And I found out about Diego first uh, in the context of the baby Cyrus incident. And we're going to talk about that, but it led into a much bigger picture of what Diego's involved in and the whole issue of global freedom. Uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So we'll just hit the, uh, the highlights in the time we've got, but hopefully enough to interest you to take a look at his site where I just signed up for his email list and you probably want to do that too. And um, it's going to be really interesting stuff. So it'll go fast. Uh, you can listen to it more than once if that helps. Welcome, Diego. And it's really a pleasure to see you again. Likewise, brother. Thanks for having me. We appreciate it very much. So assuming we want to include people in this discussion that don't know of anything, have not heard about the baby Cyrus incident, do you want to kind of s- summarize what happened with that? And then we'll get sure. from there into sure. Freedom Man and the other things you're involved in. So uh, in early March, which was, I guess, now uh, almost six months ago, see, March, April, May, June, July, August. Yeah, so five months ago, right. um, my grandson, who has now been who has become known as Baby Cyrus. His name is Cyrus Anderson. He's my grandson. And at the time, he was seven months old. He was kidnapped by CPS in Meridian, Idaho. And it was quite an egregious case. It became national news because of what we'll share with you happened in terms of the response of the public um, to the egregiousness of the particular action by police officers, by Meridian um, police, by the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare, um, and all of the bad actors involved. It was also caught on film. So everything I'll share with you in just a minute in terms of the egregiousness of the crime Um while it might sound outrageous for me to explain it, anybody can see it for their own eyes. It can go to our website that you already mentioned at freedomman.org and the videos of the entire thing, um, the entire incident were filmed because my daughter had the sense about her to take out her phone and film it as well. There were other people who showed up because she was, she wasn't, she didn't just film it. She was live streaming it on Facebook while it was going on. Wow. So people showed up. Uh, to support her and to support the family. And they were filming as well. So there's a lot of cameras going and all this got captured. And then, of course, it became national news. And then it just you know exploded from there. However, what I've noted, I've uh, done a lot of interviews since this happened on March 11th, which was a Friday night and into March 12th, which was Saturday. 
Um, since that time, I've done a lot of interviews all over every single medium you can imagine. And what I've noted very quickly is the first thing that I have to explain to people or they don't get it. They just flat don't understand. Even people who are what we would say on our side or of our ilk or of our persuasion, people who believe in freedom, people who believe in the Constitution, people who believe in body autonomy, people who believe in in these things that we typically consider uh, freedom minded people, the vast majority of them still are under this myth that the institution known as CPS or Child Protective Services only exists to protect children from abusive parents. That's what people think. And because people think that, it makes the entire story impossible to comprehend. Well, that's what CPS says too, right? What their mission. That's exactly what they're sharing. This is the the bad marketing they're out there doing is they're, they're sharing with everybody and propagandizing our entire public to think that the purpose for their existence is to protect children from bad parents who are either abusing them or exposing them to drugs or something of that nature. Right, right. So we, we have to overcome that false perception first. And what people need to understand is that uh, there, there's three, three major issues going on here. Number one, there's the issues of parental rights. Number two, we have the issues of police abuse. Number three, what CPS actually is, it is not what they call themselves, child protective services. They are not protecting children. On the contrary, CPS should be called child profiting systems because they are the largest international network of child traffickers in the history of planet earth they are actual child traffickers i have made that claim i'm being sued right now for making that claim uh, by the way but i stand by it it is definitively accurate by the pure definition of the word what is child trafficking i know most people think oh well child trafficking is you know like what happens when you got these cartel overlords in south america who are stealing children and putting them in boxes and shipping them across the border and sending them off to epstein island or to some french billionaire under the covert darkness of night or something like that and i'm not saying that that doesn't happen but i'm saying is that is a that's rare that's not what the vast majority of child trafficking, which much of it ends up leading to sex trafficking, is. The, by definition, child trafficking is simply this. Kidnapping a child and selling that child for profit or kidnapping a child for profit or the easiest way to put it in layman's terms is forcibly taking a child from its family and putting it in the hands of somebody else for money. That is Child trafficking, by definition. And quite frankly, when I say that, 99.99% of all people listen to that and go, yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. I don't got a problem with that. Nobody has a problem with the definition. What people don't recognize, which I didn't recognize either, brother, until I went through it. I was unaware of this. So I was just in line with everybody else, propagandized, thinking the same thing, that, hey, CPS exists just to uh, you know protect kids from abusive parents because there's some bad parents out there. It's mm-hmm. rare. But it exists. There are parents who abuse their kids. And so we need someone to, to fix that. Well, so we all assume that CPS is who does that. However, what we don't know and what I didn't know, which I now do, is the federal government since 1997 has been giving an incentive, a financial incentive to each of the 50 states 
to kidnap your children for any reason whatsoever. They don't even need actual probable cause. It's all done outside of the law, outside of the Constitution. There's no due process. Your Fourth Amendment rights are violated. Your Fifth Amendment rights are violated. Your Sixth Amendment rights are violated. And your Fourteenth Amendment rights are all violated. Are, are you no saying there's a, there's a law that they use to do this? In 1997, Bill and Hillary Clinton passed the Adoptive Safe Families Act uh, called ASFA, A-S-F-A. Anybody can look this up on their own. They can, you know, Google it, duck, duck, go it, whatever you want to call it. And this law literally and specifically was designed to terminate parental rights to get children out of the hands of parents and put them into the hands of the system that we now call CPS. And it financially incentivizes the states to do so. So here's how it works. When a child is taken away from their parents at the point that child is taken, the state gets paid. I'll use my case or the case of my grandson as an example. When baby Cyrus was forcibly taken by Meridian police officers, Meridian is a city outside of Boise. Most people know the town Boise. Uh, when he was forcibly kidnapped at gunpoint, yeah. they took him and guess what? The state of Idaho got paid at that moment that he was taken. Immediately, their next step is to take that child and put that child into foster care. Once a child's put into foster care, which takes all but 30 to 60 minutes for them to process the paperwork and get them into a foster care home, they get a second payment. So they're getting paid a second time for that process. Boom, boom, two payments already. We're not talking $10, $20. We're talking, you know, $4,000, $6,000, $8,000 each payment. And then it keeps going up. Once that child is in foster care, the state continues to get paid every single month from the federal government. And most people understand that the parents, foster care parents are getting paid from the state government, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're taking care of some foster kids, you get paid every month for each child that you have. What most people are totally oblivious to is that the state government for whatever state you live in, and there is no clean state. I now live in Florida. Florida is terrible. I hate to tell you this because I know you live in Arizona, but Arizona, even though it's considered a conservative state, is one of the worst offenders in the country for CPS abuse. I've heard um, that. Yeah. Uh, Texas te- is also uh, really bad. Uh, Florida, where I now live, is, is bad, even though these are states that are considered, you know, right-wing conservative states. CPS. Does the, does the federal government make some claim about why they're paying the state to do that? Well, sure. The claim is that it is for uh, protection of the children. They're protecting these children from bad parents. And so the list of examples I can give you, because there's no actual list in the law, all of it's left up to the discretion of a social worker. And these social workers have all of two weeks of education, of training. You, they don't have to have any special psychology degree. They don't have to have any background, any special interest of all, other than most of them. And people can take this for what they want to. Uh, but it's just a statistical fact that most social workers are, are homosexuals and they're anti-God, they're anti-believers, they're pro-government, deep state type people who take this job. Many of them, sure, are taking it because they, oh, I'm, I'm making a difference in the world. But the vast majority of them are taking this because it's their way to control other people's lives that they couldn't do in any other way. Right. So a social worker can go in there and they have more power than police officers. So they literally direct the police officers what to do. The cops are not under... The, the guidance of laws or statutes are under the guidance of a social worker. Social worker says, these parents are unfit. Take the kids. 
and they obey the social worker. This is happening in all 50 states. And so they're getting paid to do so. Now, remember what I wanted to say earlier and what I want to finish saying is that if you and I'll just give some examples of numbers. If a parent who is a foster care parent, say, earns $500 a month from the government for fostering a child, Mm -hmm. their state government, I'll use Idaho as an example, is getting usually 10 times more than that. So let's just say, for example, in Idaho, a parent makes $500 a month per child. The Idaho Department of Health and Welfare will get $5,000 a month for that child. And those are the exact numbers. I'm using that as an example. But the point is- They don't have to do anything for that, right? They do nothing for it. They do nothing for it. And here's the key. Every month, they're getting more and more and more and more and more money. In the state of Idaho, last year, it was $93 million the state of Idaho earned from the federal government for stealing babies. Idaho is one of the lowest population states in the entire country. But even in Idaho, this happens four times a day, every single day. And CPS's national statistics, say it again. Sounds like the definition of child trafficking. Like It's the definition of child trafficking. Literally, that's exactly what it is. And once you realize how wicked it is and you get involved in it and you see it for your own eyes, you just can't believe it. And they literally would take children for any reason. Now that this happened to baby Cyrus and we were fortunate enough to get him back quickly, we have been contacted by people with similar cases all around the country. And I've spoken with people at length on the phone, via email, by by messaging systems. And the the list, the anecdotal list of reasons that people have given for why CPS took their children would blow your mind. It's literally because because there is no law. It's just at their discretion. So I'll give you examples of things people have told me. And your listeners can, you listeners, while you're listening to this, you can tell me if any of these might apply to you. If the CPS social worker were to show up to your house with a police officer, um, do could any of these things possibly apply? Because each one of them has been used in a real case, because these are anecdotes given to me, for the justification for taking a child away from his parents. One of them is you're not vaccinated. One of them is you listen to alternative radio, like your radio station right now. Uh, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You pray for healing. Uh, you homeschool your children. You make your children do chores. You had crayon markings on the wall. We came to your house and the laundry wasn't done and it wasn't folded. The dishes were still in the sink. Therefore, you're obviously an unfit parent. Um, the dog had gone doo-doo on the floor and you guys hadn't picked it up yet i mean how many guys have dogs your dog ever pooped on the floor well guess what social worker comes in and sees that oh you must be an unfit parent we're taking those kids um these are all examples real life examples of reasons why children have been taken away from their families and once they're in the system there's a great likelihood you will never get them back Never, because the law itself, again, read it for yourself. Everybody, I implore you to look up the 1997 ASFA law, the ASFA law, and you will see for yourself that if your child is outside of your custody for 15 of the last 22 months, you immediately lose total parental rights of your children. They're not yours anymore, period. Say that, say that again, Diego. That's if your crazy. child is outside of your custody for 15 of the last 22 months, then you immediately lose parental rights. Meaning if they, not, can, if they can hold the child for that long. And so that's their goal. That's their goal is to keep that child because once they have that child in their custody, then they get to adopt them out. 
and they are adopting them out for what it's worth to the people who care about the statistics, seven times more likely to be adopted out to homosexual couples than they are to heterosexual couples. And for some people, they don't care about that, but I'm only mentioning that because it is a biological fact that homosexual couples cannot bear children. So the only way they can have children is through adoption. Well, where are they getting those kids that they're adopting? Where are they getting them from? They're not getting them from these Christian adoption agencies or Catholic adoption agencies or Mormon adoption agencies. They're getting them from foster care. And the statistics that have been demonstrated about foster care is that it's the number one source of child sex trafficking in the world. And they admit that. So I don't know about you, but whenever the government gives you their statistics, I have to assume that their statistics are skewed in their favor. They're obviously not telling the truth. They're trying to make it look prettier than it is. So when they're admitting those types of things, it's actually worse. And, and another statistic they'll give you, and you, you guys can look this up yourself, they admit that 83%, 83% of all child abduction cases where they're forcibly kidnapping children from their parents by CPS doing themselves, 83% of the time, it's for unsubstantiated allegations, meaning they are admitting 83% of the time there was nothing that even should have been done. Right. But can you imagine anything else that they admit to getting it wrong 83% of the time and then they just keep on doing it? So they need no evidence for what they did, basically. There's none, no evidence needed. And the vast majority of all people who, who endure such a crime have no recourse or resources to fight back. Right. When you go to court and they'll force you to go to court in two days, most states all have the same law. 50 states have different laws that they've all written into their individual statutes for each of the 50 states. But they're all incredibly similar because just like the whole covid scam that just went down. Right. If you wanted if you were a state and you wanted that free covid money, you wanted the CARES Act money. You had to follow a whole list of, of, of check boxes, right? You had to put your, your state in a state of emergency. You had to have a whole bunch of things that you had to agree to do. And then they, they would give you COVID money. Same thing. All these states have to have basically a whole list of statutes on the books in their state in order for them to qualify for this money. And, you know, many experts who've been doing this for decades have told us that Their research shows that states can't balance their budgets without kidnapping babies. If they did not get this money, which, by the way, they didn't create a new tax for it in 1997. They take it out of the Social Security Title IV funds, meaning for people who think that, well, I'm getting my Social Security. No, every year the federal government is giving hundreds of millions. We've been told it's up to $80 billion now that the federal government has transferred to the states for child trafficking. From Social Security. And the money comes straight out of the Social Security Title IV fund directly. And th- none of this stuff is me making this stuff up. You guys can look all of it up yourself. It's right in the text of the law. You'd have to be incredibly creative to make it up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's true. But the point is, this stuff is so fantastical. Most people, my experience has been for something this evil and wicked. Most people are, you know, see no evil, you know, right. hear no evil, speak no evil. We just want to assume that the government is not going to do anything bad and that this is not going to happen to me or to my friends or to my family until it does. Right. Right. So they're always catching people by surprise, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, typically what it is, is 
that there are two groups of people they kind of target. What we find is they're, they're targeting Christians, right-wingers, conservatives, homeschooling families, those type of people. And then they also target the poor. They target people, single mothers, uh, poor, you know, poor black families, poor Hispanic families. Um, it's just a statistical reality that those people, if you're poor, you have no resources. And if you've been, uh, in an, in, in an ordeal with mm-hmm. CPS, people feel ashamed of that. And because they feel ashamed of it, right, they right. try to, they hide. And so they can, they can abuse these people without consequence. And this has been going on for decades, brother. In the case of baby Cyrus, let me tell you what happened to him because people won't believe it. But now that you understand the background of what's going on, only then can and will it make sense. In the case of baby Cyrus, when he was about five months old, he began to have something that is now called cyclical vomiting syndrome, where he just randomly starts to vomit and he vomits profusely for hours, up to 40, 60 times a day of profuse, many times projectile vomiting. Well, you know, if you and I were to get sick and we started vomiting, we're going to lose weight. You lose weight, you get sickly. And so he's a five-month-old baby. He was chunky at the time, but he starts throwing up, and then he started losing weight. So my daughter and son-in-law, obviously concerned for their son, did everything they could to take him to specialists. They start off with naturopaths. They've seen everybody you can imagine. They have naturopaths, natural doctors, functional medicine doctors, chiropractors, craniosacral therapists. I mean, everything you can imagine. Um, You know, we're fortunate to have a lot of friends who are in the, in the natural health care industry and we've taken him to anybody and everybody who would be willing to see him. And my, my daughter and son-in-law did everything they could as good parents to see to baby Cyrus's health, but he kept throwing up. And after two months, so he's from five months old to seven months old, he still had not got over these, these episodes. And what would happen is he would throw up consistently for three, four five days in a row. And then he'd be better for another three, four, five days. Sometimes he'd be sick for as long as five to seven days, and then he'd be better for another four or five days. And so it was this cycle that just kept happening. You know, good for a week, bad for a week. Not quite a week, but whatever. The days are what they are. And so uh, after seven months, or when he was about seven months old, they were at a clinic in Idaho called Functional Medicine of Idaho. And at this clinic, a nurse practitioner there who was tending to baby Cyrus Noted that he was dehydrated, and instead of just wanting to give him Pedialyte or what have you, mm-hmm. she felt that baby Cyrus needed to be fully rehydrated via IV. And the only way in what she said uh, was the only way to be fully rehydrated was to go to St. Luke's Hospital, which is a typical allopathic hospital, big, giant allopathic hospital, just full of a bunch of murdering doctors and ignorant nurses who don't know what they're doing. or They're just to kill people. Um, but Allegedly, only they could put an IV in the baby. So we raised our children to stay away from hospitals, to stay away from allopathic doctors, and to always seek a more natural approach um, whenever possible. So we don't go to places like that. However, their son was sick. They were willing to do anything. And they were under the impression that they were going to go to the hospital, get an IV, be there for a few hours for baby Cyrus to be rehydrated and go right back to the clinic. Mm -hmm. That was the impression that was given. So they very reluctantly went to St. Luke's hospital. When they got there, this is when all hell began to break loose. 
And you know what these doctors are like. I think probably the uh, persuasion of your listeners, they know what these hospitals are like. As soon as they got there, um, they put the IV in. They want to know everything about them, know their background, et cetera. And they were telling him, you're not going to leave tonight. We need to run tests on, on your son, um, on and on. And my son-in-law does not have health insurance. So he wants to know how much is this going to cost? Of course, they won't tell you. Right. Uh, the law has now been passed where they're supposed to tell you, but they wouldn't tell them. So they have no idea how much any of this stuff is going to cost. They're just going to rack up a bill and he has to stay. And so they said, okay, well, they'll stay over overnight. So they took all types of tests, urine tests and lab tests and blood tests and whatever. And the next morning, all of the tests came back that he was perfectly healthy. They couldn't find anything wrong. Not to say that he was perfectly healthy, but the test didn't show that he had anything wrong with him. So my son and I asked, well, can we leave then? I remember they went in on a Tuesday, March 1st it was. Um, I believe it was March 1st. And the next day was Wednesday. So can we leave now? And the doctor, who was Dr. Natasha Erickson there at St. Luke's Hospital, told him, no, you cannot leave. And if you do, it will be going AMA, which is against medical advice. And I'll have to call CPS on you guys. Wow. Instantly threatens that fast. Wow. So new parents, young parents. My daughter's 21 and her husband, my son-in-law is also 21 years old. When you get a threat like that, it's scary. Mm -hmm. So... Under that threat, they decided to go ahead and stay an extra day. So they stayed an extra day. So they were there from Tuesday to Wednesday. They're now staying an extra day, which was going to be Thursday. And on Thursday, my son-in-law had to go back to work. So he went back to work. And Marissa, my daughter, was there alone at the hospital. And sure enough, while she was alone, sure enough, a CPS agent comes to talk to her and visits her and starts asking her all these questions. How come you don't have health insurance? Uh, what is your home life like? Do you have food in, in your in your pantry? How does your husband treat you? All these things that are none of their business, all wow. these intrusive questions because they're fishing. They want to see, are we going to take this baby or not? Because right. uh, they want to find the families that are easiest to take babies from. Well, that night, they gave him, uh, baby Cyrus, something called a barium contrast test, which is very toxic. We've since learned it's basically a, an, a real time x-ray where they put a barium contrast into the baby. They make him swallow this barium contrast and then they put him in front of an x-ray screen and they can watch that barium contrast go through his digestive system in real time so they can see if there's any blockage or anything of this sort. And so baby Cyrus got really sick after that. He took that. He got really sick and he was constipated. They wouldn't give him an enema. They're like, oh, we just want him to absorb the nutrients. Like, What are you talking about? These guys are just absolutely moronic. And they would not let them. Well, we want to give him an enema. Oh, no, we can't do that. You're going to be going against medical advice. Everything was against medical advice. It's always under threat. And so they stayed one more day. So now it's Friday. They're staying there and they ran more tests, blood tests, urine tests, lab tests. Um, they had the barium contrast test now. They all, and the lab results now come back and they cannot find anything wrong with baby Cyrus. So they can't find anything wrong with him. So they reluctantly discharge him that Friday. So they discharge baby Cyrus with Marissa and Levi. However, the doctor, this Natasha Erickson, says, all right, I'm going to discharge you. However, I've already set up an appointment for you at your clinic where you came from, the Functional Medicine of Idaho, with this other nurse. And so she'd set it up with another nurse. And I want you to have a follow-up appointment with him on Monday. 
And so they said, that's fine. They had no problem with that. So they took baby Cyrus home. We spent the weekend there together. That weekend, it was my birthday. So we were celebrating my birthday. And we also were planning to move out of Idaho to move to Florida. And so we had a big going away party. All of our friends were there that Saturday. So everybody saw baby Cyrus, including multiple uh, state representatives and senators and congressmen and, and, you know, multiple people running for governor and the candidate because we're connected in Idaho. And so they're all coming and they're all seeing baby Cyrus it's the last time we're going to see him and so we're waving bye-bye to everybody so Monday comes Monday comes and they go to the appointment when they go to the appointment because baby Cyrus had been throwing up over the weekend the nurse noted that he had lost 35 grams 35 grams is 1.23 ounces so for those of you guys who know your measurements it's nothing um I could go number two and lose more than that you know what I'm saying but the point is uh, he's a baby and we understand we want him growing, but this is all what this hubaloo was, was over 35 grams. Wow. So uh, the nurse noted that he lost his 35 grams and he said, you know what? I want you to come back on Thursday so we can do another checkup and another weigh in. And they said, that's fine. So on Tuesday, they went to another naturopath and on Wednesday, they went somewhere else and took him somewhere else. And on Thursday, they came back to the same nurse on functional med- at functional medicine of Idaho, weighed him and he still hadn't. He hadn't been growing. And so since he hadn't been growing or gaining weight the way they want him to, he said, well, I want you to come back tomorrow for one more appointment before the weekend. Um, it doesn't have to be a full appointment. We just a weigh in. So do a quick weigh in and a quick weight check. I won't even be here. He said, you can do it with my assistant. He played it down like it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So he said, that's fine. My daughter and son-in-law were trying to do everything. They weren't just being obedient to these people. It's that they were legitimately trying to find solutions for their son. Right. So the next day, my daughter wakes up with a scratch in her throat, feeling a little bit under the weather. So she's feeling a little bit under the weather. And as you guys know, during these two years of the COVID insanity, everybody said, if you have any cold symptoms, stay home, quarantine in place, do not come to the doctor's office. You know, it's complete COVID insanity. So she woke up feeling a little under the weather. The appointment was at 10 a.m. And when she woke up, she talked to her husband and she said, I just don't feel very good. He's like, you know, don't worry about it. Just call and cancel. and We can go and follow up on Monday or something like that. So she said, that's fine. So, and she was up all night with baby Cyrus crying and puking and whatnot. So anybody who's ever had kids before, you know what it's like when you don't get sleep all night long. You just want to sleep. So she called the clinic in the morning and nobody picked up the phone to answer. So she just left a message to cancel the appointment and went back to sleep. She went back to sleep. The, the message was received by somebody there in functional medicine of Idaho. They got the message. They called her back, but when they called her back, she was already asleep. So she didn't answer the phone. Hmm. So they couldn't get a hold of her. And just that alone, her canceling this appointment, the nurse practitioner, nurse Aaron Dykstra, Aaron in this case is a man. It's not the same nurse that they had seen previously. For whatever reason that only God knows, he felt compelled at that moment that, oh, I need to call CPS on this family. Wow. So they had already been under surveillance by CPS the previous week. Now this guy calls CPS literally 20 minutes after the missed appointment. It shows in his medical record that at 1020 a.m. he input that he called CPS on the family and the appointment was at 10. So he literally waited 20 minutes before he decides to make a phone call that's going to utterly destroy a family. So do you that think phone Aaron call is- set off a series of events that ultimately ended in violence and abduction? Do you think the nurse who did that had any idea what he was doing? 
Absolutely. Every single one of the, there is not a nurse or a doctor in America who does not know what happens when they call CPS. So why do you think he actually did it? I think he's a sociopath. Um, my lawyer thinks that he's a functional autistic, that he just has no recognition of the social consequences of what they do. Okay. And he is an, a, an eccentric, weird guy. Um, and, uh, and the other thing is many people don't like in the medical profession, as you know, you're, you've spent a lot of time in the industry. They all have this God complex and they feel like what they say goes. And if you don't do what I say, you're going to pay for it. It's part of the training. Yeah. And so I have no real reason. I have no real idea why I personally have never met the kid. I say kid because he's young. I think he's in his early thirties or mid thirties. Um, but they all know what they're doing when they call CPS. Every single one of them knows how that's going to end up. And they use it as a tool and a weapon for themselves to overpower anybody in any situation. Imagine the power that you have when you can wield absolute control over others and say, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to destroy and wreck your life. And it's just to and feel, they can do it to feel powerful, basically. So at that point, of course, the rest is history. Um, it was uh, it'd take too long to give you all the details of what happened during that day, but you guys can watch the video and go to the website and see the entire chronological order of events. And we've listed it out there, very simple for you. But that night, uh, my our family all went to a friend's house to go have a one. He's a close friend of ours who's an ex police officer and he owns a restaurant. And we went to his house for dinner, which was going to be our going away dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, because again, we were supposed to be leaving from Boise, Idaho to uh, Florida the following Tuesday. So this is all happening Friday night, you know, three days later or one to you, know, yeah, four days later, the moving trucks are pulling up. So while all this is going down, we're living in a house that is everything's packed up in boxes. We're living out of suitcases and sleeping on air mattresses. And my, my grandson gets kidnapped in the midst of that. So anybody who's ever moved before, you know how logistically complicated it is to do so. Yeah, and yeah. we weren't moving from one side of Meridian to the other. We we're moving, you know, one fourth of the way across planet Earth. We we're moving from Idaho to Florida. So right. it's incredibly far and it's just, a, it's very complicated logistically to handle all that. I got a family of, of seven, I have five children and, uh, my wife and I, and then of course my daughter and son-in-law and baby Cyrus add three to that equation. So it's 10 of us. You're talking about moving two homes, two families and a business and all that in boxes. It's just a huge logistical nightmare. Well, that night the police come pull them over in his truck at, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night in a gas station and the rest is history. You guys can see the video. They rip my son-in-law out of the truck, slam him up against the truck, put him in cuffs, put him in the back of a car. They pull my other daughter, who's not the mother of baby Cyrus. They yank her out through the window. And all this is on film. You guys can see it yourself. They're pulling her out, physically assaulting and abusing her, telling her that she's under arrest for felony injury to a child. Now, it's a very high bar to pass to claim felony injury to a child, put her in cuffs when she wasn't even the mother of this child that had nothing to do with it. She's just the aunt sitting in the front seat, throw her in the back of a police uh, car. Then they go around and they talk to my daughter who's holding baby Cyrus, who's asleep. They lie to her and tell her all types of manipulative things. So they get her out of the truck and get her away from everybody else. Well, she's filming all this. And so people are starting to show up who are friends and family. Uh, so now there's, you know, half a dozen people showing up. 
They get an ambulance out there and they lie to her to coerce her to get into the ambulance. They tell her that they're not going to take baby Cyrus away from her. She can stay with baby Cyrus. They're just, we're just concerned for the baby's health. We just want to check on his health. And so they tell her that, you know, um, she can get into the ambulance and she can go with baby Cyrus to the hospital. So she was like, okay, that's fine. Soon as she gets into the ambulance. And again, all this is on film. You guys can see it. They totally lied, changed the story, said, give us the baby or you're going to jail. They threatened to harm baby Cyrus on two occasions. That's also on film. Give us the baby so no further harm comes to him from us taking him away from you. You have no other choice. Give us the baby or you're going to jail. And this one complete sociopath who is Detective uh, Fuller or Hanson, rather, Steve Hanson of the Meridian Police Department, literally says to her, just give the baby to the EMT and you can go on your merry way. Can you imagine the sociopathy? Of some freak who would say that to a mother who's there in the midst of kidnapping her child. And at that time, we understood that baby Cyrus was only feeding off of breast milk. He couldn't take other things. He wasn't taking formula or solid foods. He was only taking breast milk. Yeah. So he, she told him, I can't be separated from my son. He only takes breast milk. I need to be with him. They don't care. They don't care about any of that stuff. They just want to kidnap children because it's what they do every day. They're robots programmed to kidnap. It's child trafficking, pure and simple, and people can see it. No, I'm not moving. For what reason? What crime did I commit? 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 No, do you know? No more to let them. Miranda. I'm getting out. I'm getting out. Let me get out. Hang on. I will step out. Get out of the car. Try to get out of the car. Take him to the hospital, and no. if you want to go, you can. Can go. I ride with him? Yes, Please. you can. Okay. We'll get an ambulance here to transport you. Okay. okay. So what I want you to do, though, is give me him. I'll let him back to you. I'll give him right back to you. You promise okay. me you won't let him end my sight. These guys are going to make sure that you don't have you any weapons. Promise. I promise. I will promise stay that right here with him, with you. Not out of my okay? sight. I will do that next to baby. Okay. They're going to make sure you don't have any weapons or anything like that. All right. All right. What's your name? I can't let him go. I will stand right here with you, I promise. You have to take him from me. I okay. can't. Okay. I, okay. No, okay. no. No, no, no. Come here. It's okay. They're going to check him. They will give him right back to you. I can't. I, I promised him, right him I wouldn't let him go. I will give him right back to you. Okay? But you got to promise me. Okay? you got to promise me. Okay? I'm going to be able to give him to you. And that you could promise me you go to the hospital with me and him? We'll, we'll ride with him in the ambulance. We'll take you to the hospital, okay? You too. We, we're worried about him. Make sure he's okay. I know. So come with us, okay? And let's take him to the hospital and get that checked out. Okay? Please don't, please don't take him. I won't take him. I'll stand right here with you. Can I hold him while you do what you have to do? No, because they got to check you real quick, okay? Can they check me while I'm holding Not him? Not withholding him because I don't want you to drop him. I'll stand no, no, I know they can do it. I know they can do it. Please don't let me come let go on, of him. Come on. Okay. No, we're taking him to the hospital, but but you won't take him from me. Well, our intent is to get him to the hospital. Okay. So our 
our intent is not to take your child from you. There'll be a shelter care hearing, okay, on Tuesday. And that's that's a hearing that you'll that that's a hearing you're gonna want to go to, okay? The shelter who care makes, hearing. Who makes this decision? It will be at one o'clock PM. Do you know who makes this decision? Um, makes what decision? That he has to go into state custody. Well yeah. the, we have. You have? Based on what the doctors have told us. Okay? We go off of what all the information we can get from doctors and he's been all down. Yeah. I'm not gonna leave him. I'm not. I'm not. This is this is how it's gonna go, okay? No, do you do you understand? He, just, he's my baby. I'm listen, not gonna leave listen. him. Marissa, I'm trying to explain this to you, okay? So there will be a shelter care hearing on Tuesday at one o'clock. Okay, and you're gonna to want to attend that. Yeah. Okay, and that's what that's what your part of this is. Okay, that's your next step in this. We we have no. Nobody wants to take people's children away from them. We want to get the child you, back to you, you in a do. healthy state. No, we want to make sure that kid is healthy. We want to get these kids healthy. Why can't I be with him while you're doing the medical work? How am I in danger to him if I'm just watching and I'm with him? Okay, well... We're gonna go ahead and go with just what I just told you, okay? So you're gonna, so you're gonna this is, no. This, listen, no, this is what what we're gonna do, okay? So this is this is your copy. You're gonna want this. I, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not okay. gonna leave him. Well, this is how it's gonna be. Okay. I can't, I can't leave him. I can't leave him. I'm sorry, guys. I, I can't. You understand what happens when when the state takes custody of babies? I've seen this so many times. I can't. I can't be that next person i can't okay well, can so this no. let me let me explain this to you okay this is not my case it's detective fuller's case okay but he has made he has made the decision to declare imminent imminent danger okay so i really don't want to make this worse on you i would like to get him the help that he needs right now okay but that is going to entail that he goes with us in the ambulance no and, and you leave if no it doesn't happen then we we arrest you. The officer told me that he, I could go with him in the ambulance into the hospital. Yeah, and I don't know what was said before then. I was I was not a part of that conversation. You can't you can't okay. take him. You can't. Okay. <clears throat> Can you help me out here, please? My concern today is for him. I know your concern is for him, is but I don't cause him any harm by being with him. Okay. Pam, his mother. And he, would you also understand is he only... He has difficulty with proteins. He only takes breast milk. Okay. He needs me. He really needs me, okay? I really need your help. Like, like I told you, I'm, I'm not the lead detective on this, okay? So I'm, I'm here assisting. Is she gonna go? What are we waiting on? Yeah, let's. Thank you. All right. So, Marissa, I, I need you to hand over the baby to the ENT. I, okay? I won't. I won't. Marissa, I really don't want you me to go to jail tonight. I don't. But I'm telling you, if you don't allow this to happen, you're going to jail. For how long? That's not up to me. But I, I, you will be placed under arrest if you do not comply with what we're asking you to comply with. So if you could.
please hand him over so he doesn't have any further harm for us having to try and take him away from you. You promise him I won't let him go. And, and I understand that you'll have a chance to get him back at some point, okay? The state's all about reunification, but no, right but now, they're not. we need to move this. Okay? And, and I really don't want to have to forcibly remove him from you, but if that's the case, I will do that and you will go to jail. So you have one option at this point. You need to give him to the EMT and you can go on your merry way with your friends and your family who's out there. That's not merry at all. Or... I remove him from you and you go to jail. You need to make that decision. You need to make it now. I won't let him go. Okay. Go ahead and jump out of the way for me. What's the charges? What's she being charged with? Are you in charge here? Who's in charge on scene? The gentleman with the paper? Can you explain to me what her charges is? Why not? Why not? There goes the baby. Well, what happened was they took baby Cyrus that night. Uh, they arrested both of my daughters. I had to go directly to the, uh, to the jail to bail both of my daughters out of jail. My son-in-law went to the hospital where they thought they were taking baby Cyrus. Um, if you guys know who Ammon Bundy is, Ammon Bundy is a good friend of our family and somebody called him to let him know baby Cyrus was taken by CPS and taken to the hospital. So he lives an hour away. He got in his truck and drove an hour all the way down to the hospital. And there was other people who were supporting us and, and who are part of a network that Ammon had founded called People's Rights where people stand up for one another's rights and a half a dozen or so showed up to the hospital and were protesting at two or three in the morning in front saying you shouldn't have taken this baby. So to make a long story short, because he was out there protesting, they arrested him. Well, he's already a famous figure and he's also running for governor. So when they arrested him, that instantly made this story national and even international news. Ammon Bundy arrested. Well, when he was became arrested and that became national news, it was like, well, why was he arrested? Well, then the story of baby Cyrus gets out. So we also have uh, a fair amount of presence there. We had in Idaho while we were there. And so we have a list of several thousand people there in Idaho and across the country. And I also have my own personal contact list of hundreds of people on my phone. I stayed up all night, one by one, texting every single person in Idaho that I knew and everybody abroad asking them for their prayers and, their, and for their help. And then we sent out mass emails. Um, Ammon sent out mass emails, some other freedom-loving people who have lists sent out mass emails. The next morning, over 400 people showed up to St. Luke's Hospital to protest the kidnapping of baby Cyrus. And we kept that going every single day for a week. We were there from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day protesting. I was having press conferences every day at 5 or 6 p.m., sharing the new evidence that we kept getting every day as we got the medical reports back from that they didn't want to give, as we got police reports and more information that showed that they broke the law. They absolutely knew that baby Cyrus was not in any danger. And the reason that they take these children is they do it under the guise of 
imminent danger, which is Mm -hmm. the clause in most of the 50 states all have this statement that if a child is in imminent danger, and this even includes old people as well, that the, uh, the state has the right by force of, of, of police to forcefully take your child away from you to prevent that child from dying. But before they can do that, they have to demonstrate two things. They first have to demonstrate that that child is at the point of death and is about mm-hmm. to die right then and there if they don't get immediate medical attention. Right. That's point number one. Point number two, they have to demonstrate that the cause of that child being at the point of death is the parents that you're taking away, that you're taking the child away from. Right. So they have to prove that my daughter and son-in-law caused baby Cyrus to be at the point of death. First of all, he wasn't at the point of death and they had done nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, the medical reports show that, and we published all this stuff on a daily basis. What the medical report showed was that they, and it said this very specifically, and you guys can see this because we published it on our website, that they had already identified a foster care family to take baby Cyrus to on the spot. But because of protesters being outside of the hospital, chose to keep him in the hospital, or at least in the hospital system, so that it was safer for the foster family. Once they got baby Cyrus to the hospital, he was actually attended upon by an actual physician at St. Luke's Hospital who took the baby and who put not only in in her police, in, in the medical report, rather, that he was, and I quote, a healthy child with no interventions. Hmm. But she also stated to the sergeant who was there, and we have the body cam footage now showing it, saying, this is a completely healthy child. So... St. Luke's Hospital knew he was completely healthy, said so on body cam, and put it in their medical report. And the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare knew that he was completely healthy to the point that they were going to put him in the hands of a complete stranger within minutes had it not been for the protesters outside. So it was 100% fraudulent. Everything about it was a lie and was a fraud. And we publish this on a daily basis and they're getting more and more embarrassed and the hospital is getting more and more embarrassed and the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare is being publicly shamed. And then we start going on radio shows and TV shows and, and shows like yourself and the public shame increase and thousands of emails were going in on a daily basis, thousands of phone calls on a daily basis to the point that people calling in shut down their phone systems to the point that people sending in emails made it impossible for them to do their work because they wake up in the morning and they're flooded with 5,000 emails and they can't get to the, to the ones that their actual work is. And so after seven days, the hospital gave baby Cyrus back, hmm. which Never happens. But they gave baby Cyrus back after seven days because of all the public pressure, not because of the law, not because they broke the law, not because there was justice in a court or anything of the sort. In fact, when my daughter and son-in-law went to court, it's just a kangaroo court. It's literally a rubber stamp, but it's also breaking the law because the Sixth Amendment guarantees us a speedy and public trial. These trials are all sealed. Nobody's allowed to go in there. And my uh, daughter and son-in-law are put under a gag order that if they're to speak about anything that happened in the courtroom, that they would be arrested and they'd never get baby Cyrus back. Wow. This is, and so people get here and go, this is terrible. I can't believe this. You must be telling, you must not be telling this whole story. No, I'm telling you the whole story. You can see it all for yourself. It's all been published. And now you know, because of how we started this program, why they do this. And literally this can happen to anybody. And the worst part of this brother is, Baby Cyrus's case is not even the most egregious case out there. Far from it. There's cases 
far more egregious than what happened to baby Cyrus. The only difference was that in baby Cyrus's case, there was a platform for us to get a relatively rapid response. Mm-hmm. After seven days, they gave baby Cyrus back, but they gave him back with something called a safety plan. And the safety plan is something they forced my daughter and sent a lot of sign basically saying, um, you can have him back under these conditions. We're still the, and they actually call themselves the third parent. Imagine somebody kidnapping your child saying, I'm now the third parent. That's like somebody raping your wife and saying, I'm now the second husband. I mean, it's literally that disgusting. But they say, we as the third parent can come into your home at any time. You're giving up your Fourth Amendment rights. You're giving up all your privacy rights. And we can check on baby Cyrus and you can't do anything with him without our permission first. And we are still in control of him. Meaning, baby Cyrus was in the physical custody now of my daughter and son-in-law. But the state of Idaho was still getting paid from the federal government for him. Okay. So that's, that's how sick and corrupt this is. That's the they then they then put baby Cyrus on Medicaid, which my daughter and son-in-law wouldn't qualify for. But now that he's there on Medicaid, they then say, okay, you have to come in two or three times a week to the hospital for these checkups. So they go into the hospital and they literally put a bracelet on him with a barcode. And that barcode is his Medicaid ID. And literally use him like a debit card. Hey, let's order up this report. Beep. Oh, hey, we need to do these lab tests again. Beep. Well, you guys already did lab tests and blood. Oh, we're going to do them again. Beep. Hey, you guys are going to need this machine so that we can check out his uh, uh, his whatever. So let's order that machine. Beep. And they just use them like a debit card. Wow. It's all for money and power. Period. End of sentence. Wow. And so uh, ultimately, we fought continuously. We got, lo- you know, some lawyers were involved. There was people who helped us to raise money from all around the country. And enough money came in so that we were able to get a great team of lawyers and the lawyers fought and the people continued to fight. And we put daily pressure on the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. We were daily publishing all of the you know, fake news that they were sharing. We were sh- sharing the opposite. And ultimately on May 4th, which was almost two months that baby Cyrus was held in this system. Um, they finally dismissed the case. So the case was completely dismissed. It never went to its court uh, date, which would have been the adjudicatory hearing um, where they would determine, you know, if baby Cyrus would be taken from the parents, if they're going to stay in the system for another year or what have you, that case was dismissed. The other case against my um, second daughter who was ripped out of the car, ripped mm-hmm. out of the truck through the window. You can see they dismat, they dismissed that case. And my daughter, who's the mother, they actually charged her with obstruction of justice because she wouldn't give up her child. That case is still pending and it hasn't been dismissed yet, but our legal team is working on that as we speak. So this is the corruption of America today, brother, where you can be abused by police, abused by your government. They make you pay for it. They'll make you cause you to pay for it. And then uh, they will charge you criminally for standing in their way while they're abusing you and your family. So instead of uh, getting them all arrested, which would have been more reasonable, all you can do is drop the case, I guess. Right. Well, they can drop the case, but we're suing them. Our family is suing the the city of Meridian, the Meridian Police Department. We're going to sue the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare. All these things, though, unfortunately take time because you have to prioritize the way that you 
you go after them, right? So right, right. first have to get all of our cases dismissed and then we come back and sue them. And then you go through the discovery process and then there's multiple suits that have to take place because it's multiple suits with multiple agencies and it's multiple suits for the multiple plaintiffs on our side, my daughter, my son-in-law, my other daughter and baby Cyrus is his own legal person. And uh-huh. so there's a case that he has on his own as well, how his rights, he was deprived of his American rights. And so, um, these things unfortunately get drawn out, but they're going to be sued. We're going to make sure they feel the heat. Good. Is there anything you can do with the individuals that carried it out? According to Idaho state statute, the police are completely, um, completely protected, you know, so the police have uh, total immunity. However, there is a clause in the Idaho state statute that states if it can be demonstrated that police acted with malice, and they did it on purpose, breaking the law intentionally because they acted maliciously against the family or the victims, then they can be held personally liable. Well, we do have evidence that they acted with malice because I am a political enemy of the police department. I'm a political enemy of our governor, and I'm a political enemy of a lot of people in Idaho state government. And uh, we know for a fact that they did not want to turn over any of their records of communication that mentioned me by name in any of them. And they delayed everything possible to not let us see their internal communications. And at the last moment when they were about to uh, have to turn over uh, those documents by the court's deadline, they just dismissed the case. Wow. And so if that could be demonstrated, which we can still get access to those records in another case, if they don't destroy them, which is illegal, but just because it's illegal, doesn't mean they don't do it. uh, Then yes, these individuals can be held personally liable. However, Idaho is a particularly corrupt state. The court is very corrupt. The police officers are corrupt. The politicians are corrupt. And because it's such a small state, there's a real good old boys network where everybody protects each other and they're all in bed together. And so in that particular county, which is Ada County, the idea that we'll get any justice in that county is is virtually impossible. We'll have to get a change of venue to another county or we'll have to be overturned in an appellate court or a district court or the Supreme Court. You said Idaho is a particularly corrupt state. Absolutely. Are there any that aren't particularly corrupt? Uh, I would say yes. And what I mean by that is they're all corrupt. But I'm using the term particularly like it's an extra dose of corruption. And those that have an extra dose of corruption usually are the ones who are single party rule. Right. So if it's either Democrats or Republicans, it doesn't matter if it's single party rule in that state and one party rules everything and they control the entire dynamic from the executive department, the the judicial department and the legislative uh, branch. All these branches of government are all under the same party rule. Those are the most corrupt ones. They've been that way for decades and decades. Places like Wyoming, Utah, um, uh, Idaho. And some of the places that we would consider more left-leaning, um, often there's more justice in the court system because people hate each other, right? The prosecutor mm-hmm. is not in bed with the judge, and the judge is not in bed with the prosecutor and with the police officers and so on and so forth. And they oppose one another. They oppose each other politically. They oppose each other in, in regular life. So the fact that people are not all in bed with each other gives you more opportunity for justice because they're not in cahoots behind the scenes one with another. Wow, interesting. So did this whole experience have something to do with your starting Freedom Man? 
So Freedom Man was started initially as a political action committee back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have the goal of publishing everything that we can on issues of freedom and specifically and particularly exposing corruption in every area of our public life. This is within, you know, the political sphere, politicians, uh, corporate corruption, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we've had a blog that we've been publishing for years. We, we had the political action committee that we used to support good candidates and try to eliminate bad candidates kind of just changed over to a, uh, freedom man press, which is just a regular blog. And, um, and in the course of, of all these years of having that blog, we just made a lot of enemies. We, for example, during the whole COVID mess, our governor who is, uh, Governor Brad Little, who I call non-binary Brad, he put Idaho on lockdown. He forced, you know, he he shut down churches. He did the same thing that everybody else did. Uh, he, of course, lies about doing any of it as if people don't remember what actual history was. And it, in the process of doing so, we, along with many of our freedom-loving friends who also have freedom groups, you know, like Second Amendment groups and health freedom groups and whatnot, we all came together. And we started having protests, protests in front of the of the Capitol. We, you know, my background is marketing. I put my marketing skills to use and we created a website and videos and targeted advertising saying that Brad Little, who's a, the, the governor, is a disgrace. We made Brad Little is a disgrace dot com. We, uh, you know, exercise our First Amendment right to redress our grievances and posted our grievances at his home, uh, posted it on his front door had rallies in front of his house, et cetera, et cetera. We did everything like our founding fathers would do other than, you know, do anything violent because I I don't believe in that. I don't believe in being violent, but we do believe in publishing and exposing wickedness. And so we made enemies at the highest level. We have enemies at the highest level from the governor to the lieutenant governor to, uh, well, excuse me, not the existing lieutenant governor, but who's about to be the lieutenant governor, um, who now is the speaker of the house, Scott Bedke, our, our attorney general, Lawrence Waz, and these guys are all our enemies. So when you have this whole lineup of political enemies, um, then yeah, they're, they're going to come after you. And then additionally, Idaho, most people don't realize because they think Idaho is this red state and it's, you know, right winger, but we were the first state to arrest pastors for having church during the COVID lockdown that happened first in Idaho. We were the first state where we had a woman who was arrested for being in public at a park with her child. And when that happened, when she was arrested for being in, in, in public at the park with her child, within hours of her being arrested, we found out who the police officer was and we had a peaceful protest in front of his house. And so we went straight to his house, held up signs and protested and redressed our grievances there as well. I know a lot of people don't believe in that, and that's fine. You don't have to believe in that. Um, but it's our right to do so in the First Amendment. And it's also what our founding fathers did, except they were way more intense and 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 vocal and physical about it. Right. We were out there peaceful. The videos show that I was the first one who showed up. So Meridian Police Department has an axe to grind with me because we embarrassed them nationally because we made them feel bad about themselves because we organized a protest in front of the house of a sergeant who's a thug and a tyrant who arrested a woman for being at a park. Mm -hmm. So yes, we know that they had reasons to hate our family. Additionally, my daughter who this was her, her son, baby Cyrus, 
she was involved in a case that also included him and Bundy where uh, somebody was arrested because they did not leave the Capitol building because a police officer claimed to tell them that you have to leave this room. And they arrested a guy who never heard them say you have to leave this room. But the police officer got up, swore under oath that this man was sitting in that seat right there. I told him to leave. I looked him in the eye. He looked me in the eye. He knew what I told him. He heard what I told him. He disobeyed my orders. So that's why I arrested him. Well, my daughter was in the room at the time. She filmed it. Hmm. So she gets up to testify and says, no, everything he said is not true. Here's a video. So they play the video and the exact seat, because they actually had it drawn out on the board. Here's where the guy was sitting. Blah, right, blah. Right. So she's showing in the video. He was not sitting there. He wasn't even at the room at the time. And they actually forced this police officer to come back the next day and recant his testimony and say, oh, I, I guess I just got it wrong. Right. So they hated my daughter from that point forward. And remember, Idaho is a small place. Everybody knows who everybody is. Yeah. They know that she's my daughter. So my daughter now is hated by them. Our family is already hated by them. And it's not to say they all hate us because we have a lot of friends in, in, in government as well, but mostly enemies. So the idea that this was uh, politically motivated is not hard to believe. How much do you think CPS is... Uh representative of other agencies i think that cps is the worst of them all um do i think that they're all corrupt and they all do the same thing yes i do but i believe cps is the worst of them all and the reason why i say that is this uh for those who are believers the bible only gives us a handful of capital crimes where god says this is a crime so wicked it's worthy of death murder is one of them adultery is one of them and kidnapping is another. Most people aren't aware that kidnapping is a capital crime in God's law. Now, you're not going to find the word kidnapping in the Bible. The Bible uses the term man stealer. So you're someone who steals another man. And that is the term we use kidnapping. And so when you kidnap for profit, that's child trafficking or human trafficking. Um, but the Bible uses the term uh, uh, man stealing. And it says that if you man steal or if you kidnap or if you take somebody by force, whether you sell them or not, you're still worthy of death. Hmm. And if you've ever been in such a situation, God's whole thing is he wants us to pass on our faith to the next generation. And anybody who knows anything about civility in life, whether you're a believer or not, you know that the bedrock of, of civilization is the institution of the family. The institution of the family is what has given us civility on planet Earth. Anything that seeks to destroy that is seeking to destroy civilization itself. And so if you've never been there and most haven't, thank God, there is nothing more desperate than having your children forcibly taken away from you. Most people I know would say that their greatest treasure, their greatest prize on planet Earth is their children, not their house, not their bank account, not their retirement account, not their cars, not their toys, none of their material things. They say the thing that is most valuable to me on planet Earth are my children. And when the government steps in and says, well, we can take them away because we can. What in the world could be more wicked than that? Right. There's nothing more wicked than that. And so the idea of measures of wickedness, I think CPS is the very highest point. But in terms of conceptually, in terms of how corrupt they are and how they break the law, how they have no regard for the law, no regard for due process or anything of the sort, then I think they're all the same. All the agencies are all the same. They do whatever they can get away with. 
Period. End of sentence. So what's the status now? I mean, what what are you looking at for the next step? Things like that. So the next step is we are trying to put our lives back together. My son-in-law has barely gone back to work. Um, we've moved out of the state. We were able to make that move work. It was very complicated, but we were able to make it happen. Half of my family moved to Florida. Well, I moved in with my da- daughter and son-in-law in their apartment. They're there in Boise, Idaho, and I stayed there to help fight for baby Cyrus until the case was dismissed. Once the case was dismissed, you know, two months later, our family, we flew back down to Florida. And so then we all uh, came together and we lived together now temporarily until all this passes for obvious reasons. Marissa doesn't want to be alone with baby Cyrus anymore until uh, uh, a little bit later. So right now our family is just trying to recover. But what we do feel is that God has called us for such a time as this. He didn't let this happen for no reason whatsoever. And we need to continue to expose this. And so we've kind of tentatively put together a loose organization we call PACT, P-A-C-T, the People Against Child Trafficking. And what we want to do, because the thing that hurts us so much is we got baby Cyrus back in seven days. Two months later, we got the entire case dismissed and we can move on with our lives. Even though that was a relatively short period of time, it was a period of time like literally going through hell. Most people don't get their kids back. They don't get their kids back ever. They don't get them back in a week. They don't get them back in a, in five months, six months. They don't get them back in a year. They never get them back. I don't know if the statistics are more, but it's enough to just say many people. And they go through this process for years and years. Their finances are destroyed. Their lives are destroyed. Their emotions are destroyed. They force people through so much emotional damage that they cause divorces. They cause total destruction of families. And they do it on purpose. They know what they're doing because then it's easier for them to have control. Right. And when these people contact us and they say, you saved baby Cyrus. Can you save my kid too? Please help me save my child. I haven't seen my kid in two years. I don't even know where they are. And it, I can't tell you, brother, how that, how it breaks me. Knowing what we went through and we had the support of hundreds and even thousands of people. And to think of the people who have no support, no resources, and no way to fight for their own children, it's devastating. It's emotionally devastating. It's actually uh, overwhelming more than I can emotionally handle myself. But we want to do what we can to put an, uh, an organization together that exists for the purpose of helping families to fight to one, never have their kids taken away in the first place, or two, to get them back as soon as possible. And ultimately, our goal is to get each of the 50 states to reject the financial incentives created by the ASFA law. Because as soon as each individual state says, we're not going to take this money anymore, then the financial incentives stop, and all of this is over tomorrow. Right, right, right. So you're really attacking the heart of the whole thing by doing that. That's what we want to do. So... As a bottom line request to people who want to support what you're doing, you want people to join the PACT organization? or The bottom line request, we would say if people want to help and support, they can go to our website at freedomman.org and just sign up for our newsletter subscription. We won't, we won't spam you. We send out about one email a week. Um, and we sent out a little bit more when the whole baby Cyrus thing was going on. Um, but anything related to child trafficking and other issues of freedom are all sent out in that newsletter. And of course, if people don't want anything to do, they can unsubscribe, but that's the best way to stay connected. And that's the best way as this, as this organization, the PACT organization becomes 
you know, legitimate and we have systems and tools and resources available. That's how people f- first know about it is by being on that email list. Right. Incredible. Okay. Well, it's, it's an overwhelming story. And I think it, it's going on all over the place, as you said. We've had people on uh, the show before. It happens to be in Idaho, actually, that had their kids kidnapped. And Really? Yeah. It needs Another to be. family. Was this recent? Uh, I think it was about four years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah it's, it's egregious. It is just absolutely egregious. And Idaho is unfortunately uniquely... Um, it's just uniquely corrupt. Uh, for those who are aware of uh, the Stu Peters network, Stu Peters actually came out and interviewed our family. And just two days ago, he released a documentary about child trafficking and baby Cyrus's story was featured in that documentary. What's it called? It's called These Little Ones. How do you watch it? They can go to Stu Peters website. I believe it's just stupeters.com and there'll be a link there and they can see it all. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Right. Well, we have to, you know, this is a a sign of a much bigger problem. We got people in society willing to do anything for money or or just to hurt people. Even, yeah, right. Even without the money. It has to be some kind of a revolution in consciousness, I guess. I agree with you. Right. So, amazing. Um, okay, well, I'd like to stay in touch and see how things develop. So, hold on. We'll say goodbye in the break here. Okay. That was Diego Rodriguez, um, founder of Freedom Man, which you can go to as we talked about in the show and benefit from that network. And he's also working on a really exciting idea of the network called PACT, connected to what Eamon Bundy is doing, uh, letting people connect because we're, we're so atomized and isolated from each other now. Most of us who are attempting to do something good uh, don't even know the others exist. Uh, we had Eamon's father on the show a while back with uh, other people that were working on the same movement, and we need to continue it, um, get in touch with each other, support each other, network, just like Diego's talking about. And in fact, it came out that Diego's personal business not connected with the uh, Baby Cyrus issue is essentially setting up a network of manufacturers to replace those that the U.S. and other countries depend on right now that are supporting CCP. And that's important, not because we have anything against the Chinese people. We don't. The people in China are humans exactly like everybody else. But, you know, and all over the world is the case that humans have been misled by governments and corporations and private cartels, gangs of different forms. And in general, the people are not uh, evil at all. It's the leaders. And even, you know, this is very controversial, but what I found is that even the leaders, if you could strip off the mountains of programming that they're working under, you'd find an actual person. And um, in every case, that's what I've seen. But stripping off that programming is not easy. And you have to do something to reawaken the power that you have to do that. Because the way things stand right now in the world, um, and we talked about this a little bit with Diego, I think they're so far advanced 
on the evil side that resisting it by force is not really going to be the answer. Although sometimes you have to have uh, mass non-compliance with suicidal orders. I think that's critical. And if you're ordered to do something that, uh, you know, shouldn't be hurting something else and it will, or it shouldn't be hurting you and it will, then once you're at a certain level of clarity and awareness, you don't have to calculate whether to say no. You have to. And if ever, you know, it's like the, reminds me of the bumper sticker that we had during the Vietnam War when I was in college. And uh, it said, what if they gave a war and nobody came? You know, the flower children and the hippies and the people at that time, they get did get diverted into drugs a lot. But they did also had a good idea that if your frame of mind is universal love and compassion and understanding for everybody, the amount of wars that would be going on, if that was the usual frame of mind, would be zero. And it's the same thing right now. We're looking at uh, a war that's being waged primarily against life on Earth. And most of the people, in some capacity, are supporting it. And it's good to become aware if you are, because you don't have to. And the higher you are in the system, it's even more critical. Because, you know, Klaus Schwab has been bragging that he's infiltrating the governments around the world, and there's so many prime ministers and presidents and people in Congress and Parliament and different positions there and in big corporations that are graduates of the uh, World Economic Forum pro- educational program called Young Global Leaders of, Amer- of the World, not America. Um, and the opposite can happen too. If those people in positions of power start to wake up and realize that what they're doing is totally their responsibility, even if they're following orders, then they have to stop. And that's still possible. It's not too late for that to happen. So the other thing that has to be understood is that the impact of every single person, such as you, is massive. And what you're projecting out to the world is not just in what you say, it's in what you are. And there, we talked about this in some of the interviews we've done recently. The one uh, next week, Graith Care, which is a great interview, uh, will be about this too. And if you can become aware of what you're projecting emotionally as you walk around during the day, you can focus it and let it flow through you from spirit. And it's not stoppable that way. And ultimately, my what I've seen is that this could affect the so-called bad people and get them to um, reconsider and change their positions. So you're really important. And Diego is so um, inspirational in all that he's doing. It's not just forcing an accountability with the corrupt CPS and government people that kidnapped his grandchild. He's also in his private business working to set up a network of manufacturing companies that could ease or reverse the planned disaster that is being put together by our rulers right now to shut down manufacturing in all the Western countries, exactly. And then later, 
Uh, they'll do that in China and the other places too. They're not planning for anybody to survive this in the end. But you're walking around carrying power that you don't know, and the same with me and all of us. So learn about that. Learn to use it um, before this is over. You know, now would be a good time. And if you want to check out how we're doing that, look at planetaryhealingclub.com. You're invited if you want to be part of that. Uh, this is what it's about. And uh, remember, lostartsradio.com is where to stay in touch. Uh, if you have resources and you want to help us stay on the air without commercials or anything, then there's a donate button at lostartsradio.com plus um, a subscribe star link, either one of which works fine. But the main message is uh, really take the value of your life seriously every day. And the effect that you have on other people is a microcosm of the effect you have on the whole planet. And it's real. On a deeper level, time and distance are not factors. They're not limits. And rather than focus only on how asleep the rest of the public is, the really valuable focus is where are we asleep? Where, where do we need to wake up more? and become more clear and conscious and radiate something that is going to be beneficial and create change for the better in everybody else without without the uh, mistaken approach of trying to convince people to agree with you. You don't need to do that. They will automatically as they rise in consciousness and, and we're going to change what we see as true also as we get more aware whatever is really true is still going to be there, and you're going to find out face-to-face. So take care of yourself, and that includes taking care of your physical body. It's really hard to do the powerful internal work when your physical body doesn't feel good. And once you start becoming awake, you won't fall for the scams, and there's, there's one about to get going now, which is another lockdown for the sake of uh, more COVID, from the fake test, which is not a test, called PCR, and from the terrible terror of climate change and global warming, which they want to use, the whole purpose of that campaign is to make you obedient and destroy yourself because humans are bad and humans should not use energy and humans are the curse of the planet. It's all false, but the point of terrifying you and adjusting climate change data so that it's terrifying, potentially terrifying, is so that you'll take orders to commit suicide in various ways. If you start waking up a little bit, you can't follow those orders. And the rulers can say, okay, all businesses are shut down except for the rulers' businesses. And you just won't do it. And if nobody does it, or huge numbers don't obey, then it's over. That part is over. So I'm encouraging you. It's, there are a lot of reasons why you need to wake up right now instead of focusing on who's being dumb on the outside, what other person is, you know, committing mistakes and everything. That's good to be aware of. But the powerful part is when you become aware of your own and then say, okay, I'm going to change it. And it's like the song Man in the Mirror. It's, it's where to start for all of us. So thanks for being in in it with us. And it's still not too late. This can be turned around no matter how dark it looks right now.
Don't be discouraged. That's a frequency in itself. Do what you can. Use your time well. And we'll see you here next time. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit Brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum, as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. 
Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Living in America used to be a dream For so many people far away and unseen With their big cars and movie stars Living in America now hail to the red, white and blue Living in America was a dream in this land they tell you to reach anything you want But everything is possible, just believe that you can Cause we're God's chosen children Living in America with our long hugs and white picket fences Living in America was a dream Living in a man 